To show you how easy it is to file a claim with GEICO, we hired a nature show host. In the native habitat of a suburban driveway, the poor victim of a broken windshield is left assessing his vehicle utterly helpless. Well, not true. If he's got GEICO, he can file a claim online, over the phone, or with his handy mobile app. But like a lone gazelle, he'll suddenly be left to fend for himself, awaiting his terrible fate. Nope. GEICO will assign him a designated claims team to help him out, too. So the gazelle gets his car fixed and everything. Wow. Nature is so cool. GEICO. Great service, without all the drama. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work. Friends, family, expect you to be on 24-7? Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Our homes today are like little cities full of different internetting boroughs, like the entertainment district in the living room or the virtual fitness center in the garage. And Xfinity Internet keeps it all running smoothly with reliable speed to power all your devices at once. You get coverage around town from the financial district home office to the spa. Xfinity Internet keeps your little city humming with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Find great offers and value today from Xfinity. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY to learn more. Restrictions apply. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. And we are coming to you on Monday, December 30th. You are listening to this perhaps on New Year's Eve and popping champagne as you listen to the Cubs-related podcast. But we have reached the end of 2019. We have reached the end of this particular decade. And I think that's going to be a focus of this episode. It's obviously kind of still around the holiday season. We hope you guys have had a good holiday season, still having a good holiday season, however your schedule is working. And if you are listening to us, we're just going to have a little fun with this one. We could talk about the luxury tax again. We could talk about the reports that Cubs target Shogo Akiyama is going to sign with division rival Cincinnati. We could talk about those things, Brendan. But we have already done that. We still sit in a place where the Cubs have done next to nothing with regards to free agency, trades, etc., you know, other than signing some perhaps interesting names that they can put in the pitch lab and, and see what they can get out of it. But not much has happened, and we've kind of already covered our feelings on that. And uh, Brendan, I'll, I'll check in with you here. Have your feelings on those things changed uh, despite nothing happening? I feel like my feelings have been the same for the past seven weeks, Corey. Like it, it is what it is at this point. We'll right. see how the next few weeks go, but this is our reality. Right. So things still likely held up by Josh Donaldson, the Cubs seeing whether or not a KB trade market will develop. I hope it doesn't because they shouldn't trade Chris Bryant. 
And nope. that is kind of where we are. Uh, just a- a- as a quick aside, the, the Shogo Akiyama news would be uh, maybe mildly disappointing. I, I think the-, the only sentiment I would have is that if they wanted him but can't get him because it's going to cost around like $5 million a year, that's where the problem would be. I don't necessarily. Well, that's what seems like is the case, though, right? Like we know there. Well, I mean, there there is a the... yeah, there, there is a choice involved, though. Like he could have just chosen somewhere else. We don't really know how this is all playing out. But I, I that's that's true. Yeah, I guess it's true. just to say, like he was an interesting player. He had some of the traits that the Cubs are looking for on base, contact, etc. But whatever right? Like, I'm not going to lose any sleep that they didn't get uh, Shogo Akiyama, someone who I believe is coming off of an injury as well. So yeah. it is what it is. If they, if Theo was like, this is our guy, and they can't spend that small amount of money, separate problem. But, you know, kind of welcome to the last two years of trying to figure out what exactly is going on with this payroll and front office and everything else. So, Anyway, uh, I, pr- I said we weren't going to talk about it, and I'll get lost in that. Here if we I, are. Yeah, I, I will. I will go down that rabbit hole if I allow. You're working your, to uh, yourself up there. It's okay. Yeah, uh, but not a lot has happened. So I think clearly that's where the Cubs are. You do still have guys like Nick Cassianos, some of these other names that are still out there. So there, there is still potential for stuff to be done. Uh, but it is kind of getting to that point where if they're going to shed payroll do it, I guess. Uh, And if you're not, you're kind of missing the boat on a lot of these players trying to figure out exactly what you're doing. So I think... I mean, they have have six weeks to do this. A lot of guys... I mean, we're in January now. Think about that. Right. A lot of these guys report in the first or second week of February to their camps. So they want to get the ball going. It's going to happen like now, like like as soon as possible. So we'll see. Right. So I don't think that Brendan or I, I, we've talked about this. We don't want them to cut payroll. We explained kind of what may be going on from a business and, and practical perspective last week. We don't want them to do that. But if that's what they're going to do, then I want them to, I, it seems like they don't have a plan, Brendan. That That's what's kind of concerning. And, and we'll, we'll stop here because I said we were going to, but like, one way or the other, it feels right now like they are in like a holding pattern, almost as if they're they're waiting or hoping for certain things to sort of come to fruition or present themselves. And and I think what's concerning as a fan, I've accepted the reality if they're going to cut payroll, all right? It just is what it is. I'm mad about it. I hate it. It's disgusting in a lot of ways. But we've explained the practical reasons. You kind of just have to come to terms with it if that's what they're going to do. But then do it already, right? Like it just sort of feels like they're just sitting there. They're not getting better by spending money or making trades that are immediately improving the team. And they're not under the luxury tax. So if that is what they're trying to do, it just kind of feels like the worst spot to be in is, well, we're so just why doing do you nothing. Think it's taking so long then? I know we're going to, like, we're going to get into I, this. I think they're, I think bit, they're but... waiting out certain trade markets. And if they see that, you know, they can get an insane eye-popping haul for Chris Bryant or Jose Quintana or Wilson Contreras, any of these names, then maybe they go that route. If the offers are middling and unimpressive, then they say, okay, we'll roll with the status quo. We'll see what this team has or whatever. But it, it just seems like they're in this weird middle ground where it's just like, okay, well, like pick a lane, guys. Like if you're doing something, do the best path 
forward on that strategy. And it kind of feels like that's not what they're doing either way because they're just doing nothing. Well, you have to think January should be a busy month. It's not as if like there's no effect of waiting till mid-January versus having done this, you know, five weeks ago, whatever it is. You go into the year with the team you got, whether or not you make the final decisions you know, three weeks before spring training, then then so be it. But it sounds as if from the onset of the offseason, this was their plan. We just didn't know it. I mean, I think you and I assumed they would go over the luxury tax again in 2020 and spend in similar amounts. It's just now that we're seeing them wait as the offseason goes along, that that may have been their plan all along. They just never let on really anyone to believe that in the media market. So, you know, I we can we can get into the, you know, do we like this? Do we hate it? Of course we don't like this. It's just you understand if they do get under the luxury tax and yeah, they could be saving between 45 to 70 million dollars by resetting the luxury tax and from a business standpoint from a pragmatic standpoint you see why those executives would want to do that i i i really do think january will be a busy month i hope most of the trade rumors are targeted towards the likes of tyler chatwood even you know in in a weird way jason hayward if teams are willing to take on some of that salary but if we're just going to trade Quintana, we're just going to trade Bryant for salary relief to get underneath that luxury tax without improving the 2020 team, then yeah, that that's where I'm going to have the issue. But if you trade Chatwood, you get under the luxury tax, and you make that up somehow, I'm okay with that. I see the logic of it. I don't love it, but I see why some guys in the front office would want to do that. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess, and my last thought on this, like, that's where I would say, like, what's preventing you from trading Tyler Chatwood? What's the delay? Well, I think maybe some of these free agents are now going off the yeah, board. Yeah, I, I suppose. Keichel are off the just board. It seems like if that's what like, you were going to do, like, I, I'm not sure it should take three months into the off season to figure that out. But anyway, it is what it is. I mean, we could debate this till the is. cows come home or whatever cliched saying you want to use because nothing's happening. We don't really know exactly what they're doing. You can kind of read the tea leaves, try to figure it out, but nothing's happened yet. So it's it's a little difficult to figure out exactly what's going on. So anyway, I, I do want to spend the rest of this time talking about just the end of of this decade. And, and we can look at it from the perspective. I know we talked about some regular season moments uh, at the end of the last podcast. And we can look at this from a favorite moments perspective, from favorite individual players, things like that. But the the first thing I wanted to ask you, Brendan, and, and just bring up, and I, I'm looking at the baseball reference, just the, the staggered list of Cubs teams, their records over 162 games uh, from these last 10 years. And, and the, the, the first topic I wanted to delve into as we hit the end of, the, of a decade is what it feels like to be a Cubs fan right now. And and I mean in a general sense. And 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 this is not some workaround way to get back into talking about the payroll, I swear, right? But what what it feels like to be a Cubs fan in this universe, in in this iteration of the world because you and I are are both in our late 20s, so we've only experienced uh a few of these decades, right? This is our third. And they're very different. And, and the world as a Cubs fan is very different. And again, I mean from a broader perspective. Uh, 
it's it's a very different place as a Cubs fan. Like when we ended the last decade going into 2010, right? We had sort of just recently come off uh, a, a few teams in that in that particular decade that I think you and I and many other people really believed would be the one to do it, right? Like when I was a teenager watching the 2003 Cubs, when that role got into full gear, I thought that team was going to win the World Series. And I remember being at those games. I was at Game 7 against the Marlins when they get eliminated like thinking that when Kerry Wood hit that game-tying home run, I thought they were going to win the pennant. I thought they were going to go to the World Series. I was convinced of this. Then you flash a few years later, and even to this day, and I think I've said this on this podcast before, I don't know that I will ever shake the feeling that Derek Lee and Aramis Ramirez and and those guys weren't the ones to win the World Series, right? Because as I was getting older, and by 2007 and 2008, I don't know about you personally, Brendan, but like by that point, I'm, you know, way far deep into being a Cubs fan. Like I think in 2003, that's when it like really sort of starts to kick in. But we were like pretty youngish at the time, especially during like the Sammy Sosa years, to be like a truly obsessed, like I live and die with every moment of Chicago Cubs baseball person. Yeah. 2003 was like the year. That kind of I, I had a little bit of that in bit. 2002. Yeah, but yeah. like when you get to 2007, then it's like, okay, like I, now I'm like a total psychopath. Like I'm freaking <laughs> out every time we watch these games, right. right? And the Cubs get swept twice in a row by the Diamondbacks and the Los Angeles Dodgers in those years. And that is it for the playoffs uh, until the Joe Madden era begins. So I, I'll I'll throw it to you there. Like when you look back on this and 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 just just this decade in particular, but it's it's a very different place to be a Cubs fan right now. When we when we headed into the year 2010, they were still quote unquote cursed. If you believed in that, the Billy Goat was still a thing. Uh, they they had the drought they were they were the lovable losers and that's not really the world we live in anymore and I, and I do think it is a good place to compare like now we're in a place where we're talking about like their 200 plus million dollar payroll and whether that's right. like sickening you know and and it's just a, it's a very different place to be in a, a, a as a cubs fan and that is primarily and and really solely Brendan, uh, I'm going to get this in here right now, because in 2016, in this past decade, just a few years ago, the Chicago Cubs won, won the, World the World Series. Series. So so how Correct, does it yes. feel to be a Cubs fan heading into 2020, kind of a different world? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many different eras, even from the mid-2000s to the early 2010s, and especially this decade, so many different moments. But having that aura around the franchise, it was annoying. I mean, that's what it comes down to is just having people always bring up the curse and no matter the personnel, no matter the front office, no matter whatever, right? Like that was always it. And it, it distracted away, I think, from the enjoying the teams at hand. But over the last decade, I think what I always wanted 
And you look at the Yankees, you look at the Red Sox when we were growing up and how they were winning World Series, seemingly, what was it, once every three to four years? Like you wanted the Cubs to reach that ground. And I think early on in the late 2000s, early 2010s, when ownership was really unstable, you know, the Tribune was selling the team, I didn't understand the logistics of it, but at least how I understood it, there was severe debt involved at the time. It seemed really dim, man, like really dim. And when the Ricketts bought the the franchise, I know a lot of people are really distraught over the Ricketts right now, but it was bad back then, man. It was really freaking bad. And when Ricketts took over the team and when he hired Theo, that was like a breath of fresh air. And it kind of gave me the hope that, okay, like maybe this franchise can turn in to the Red Sox, to the Yankees, to those big markets who are always competing. And that's what they did. We can get into some of the issues recently with the payroll, with the business operations. But when the ownership took over and when Theo took over, that that was it, man. Like that was, for me, that was like the moment of the decade. When you have that type of hope, what made 2007 and 2000, uh, 2008 so bad was you looked at the farm system and you looked at the years ahead. You looked at the age of the current group and you didn't want to admit it, but that team was spiraling down. That franchise was spiraling down and there was very uh, a huge uncertain future in the years ahead. And I don't feel like we have that anymore. I know we have uncertainty with some of the extensions and some of the free agents in 2020, 2021. I, I, I get it. I really do. But you understand the plan. You know what they're trying to do. And I felt like in the late 2008, you know, late 2009, after that ended, that that was it. And it was concerning that not only would they not be competitive, but go, you know, going into our 20s, going into our 30s, that this like curse thing would always be around. And it's not as if, oh, you believe in the curse. It's just, it takes away from enjoying the game. So we're in a different era, man. And I think you and I, going to visiting stadiums most of our you know growing up as cub fans to you know dodger stadium the chase field for me in arizona that was so annoying it was just so annoying you always got made fun of you got thrown popcorn at you you got you know everyone talking smack to you that's gone it's gone and whatever the issues are with the team yeah 2016 we will always have that and it is a, it is a different time to be a cubs fan i think one of still optimism, and I really do appreciate that. Bet Saratoga from anywhere this summer with Naira Bets, the official betting partner of Saratoga Racecourse. Naira Bets players enjoy world-class HD live streaming covering races worldwide, instant replays, exclusive bonuses, and earn points on every bet. New customers that sign up today receive a bonus match on their first deposit up to $200 with promo code SPA. Join today at nyrabets.com and make sure to use promo code SPA to earn your sign-up bonus up to $200. I've been riding a motorcycle for 52 years. I started having back pain that turned into a knee pain. I couldn't even sit on the motorcycle. I was like, oh, man, am I going to have to give up riding bikes? Kaiser Permanente, they decided I needed a hip replacement, so I was going to do it through outpatient surgery. <laughs> Panned out great. Recovered overnight. Was home by 11 o'clock the next morning. I'm glad I made the choice for Kaiser Permanente. I'm enjoying life. Every medical case is unique. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan in the Middle Atlantic States, 2101 East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852. 
Yeah, well, that, that's a really good point about going to the other stadiums. Uh, I, I think we've talked about it before, but you know, certainly here in Los Angeles, definitely in Arizona, a couple times for me, but a lot for you. It was uh, a mess. It was always a mess. Right. Going pretty much anywhere was always a mess, and you never really had a retort. Like, you did root for the Chicago Cubs. You did root for a bunch of losers. Like, that's kind of just what it was. Like, you didn't really have much of a retort to that. Uh, and now it's not like that. Now everywhere that, that Brendan and I go and, and you guys uh, across the country, I, I know when I go, I almost always have some piece of World Series memorabilia you have to. You on have my to. body, on my person. And, you know, unless yeah. I am talking to a fan of the Washington Nationals, Houston Astros, or Boston Red Sox, nobody else can come at us for the moment to a degree, right? Like I wouldn't get in a shouting match with the Yankees. It's just they're they're going to talk about the the twenty seven rings really quickly. You're not you're not going to want to do that. But like, unless it's you know the the Cubs are one of the handful of teams that have recently won a World Series. So it's it's a weird and very pleasant uh, existence to to sort of be in that spot, and and it does make you reminisce. I, I think it's it's probably. Maybe a more jarring change, perhaps, for those of you that are uh, a little bit older than us or a lot bit older than us, just because I think you've you've dealt with a lot of this also in your adult life, whereas Brendan and I, like those, you know, 90s teams, like I said, Sammy Sosa, even in the home run race, like, you know, I, I was seven years old in 1998. So it, it, those are formative years for me as a Cubs fan, but like them making the playoffs that year and you know it doesn't it didn't destroy me as a human being as some of those late later years did right so yeah. i think the the perspective is probably different depending on your age and 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 depending on how how long you've been dealing with it like I, you know i know like people like my parents like they they've lived so many years with the cubs being like this that i think you get to a point where you're like truly hopeless that it's ever going to happen and so I think it's it's got to be wild for them to live in a world where that's just over with. Like the Cubs won the World Series, and they're a team that you know is is usually at the at the top of the league and, and competing at the highest level. And and people think like, yeah, they could just win another World Series. It's that easy, right? Like they just did it. So it's a it's a pretty wild uh, place to be. And and I think especially looking at how how the decade starts you know you you obviously miss the playoffs from 2010 to 2014 and just some not good baseball in there there's a couple uh 90 plus loss seasons there is a 101 loss season back in 2012 and to look back on this decade in particular now kind of like zoning in on that rather than the the larger thing it's really fascinating and um, I'm not even sure of the word, like comforting or, or something to look back at this decade and think they had this plan, they sold us as fans on this plan, like what they were going to do, and it worked. Like you look at you look at this list of the teams in in 2013. They are 31 games out of first place in the National League Central. They lose 96 games. The following year in 2014, things start to get a little better. 73 and 89. They finish 17 out of first place again in last place in the NL Central. And then in 2015, it all kicks into that gear. It. it clicks. And I I love 
weird stuff like this, Brendan. It, it's almost like the feeling that you get when you're watching a game on MLB Game Day, the, the app or the website, the feeling that you get when the blue button comes up and it says in play, in play runs, run scored, right? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. similar to that, I'm, I'm looking at this grid of, of the Cubs seasons, their records, their, their top player. According to B-War, which you guys know we are not, we're, we're an F-War podcast, so I'm not going to read these because I don't know if they're correct. But the top players sorted by Baseball Reference War these different numbers and and in one of the columns it says playoffs right and in 2015 it says lost nlcs four to nothing in 2017 it says lost nlcs four to one in 2018 it says lost nl wildcard one to nothing but in the one column and every other time they were in the playoffs and everybody else in the year 2016 it will say lost somewhere or they didn't make the playoffs and it's just blank. But in the Chicago Cubs column, it says one World Series four to three. And you gotta love it. There's just something so beautiful about that. Every other time they're in the playoffs, it says lost, or it's just blank. They didn't even make the playoffs. But one time here in twenty sixteen, or if you go back to nineteen oh eight and uh nineteen oh seven. No, I you know, I don't want to snub the back-to-back champs, baby. <laughs> um, but it just says one. It says one World Series, four to three. And it's just such a beautiful, beautiful sight. And I think it, it is it is a good time to kind of reflect on all that because, like, we have spent the, the past few weeks, the past few months, I mean, even going back into last year's offseason, like, freaking out about what they're doing with the payroll, what they're doing with trades, what they're doing with free agents – and it's it's all worth it if they sneak in that one championship, the one victory that we all want. I, I don't know with what frequency or whatever, but I think I've said on this podcast many times before, and I've certainly told people that I know in person uh, when I was in the stands at Progressive Field before Game 7, just a mere minute's before Dexter Fowler led off Game 7 of the World Series with a home run, I said to myself, to whatever divine being happened to be listening, let them win this game, and I will not complain. I will not ask for anything in sports ever again. And I won't, and I don't, because they won that game And I'm content with that, Brendan. As we head into uh, the next decade, I'd love to see them win it again. But I I told myself, really my whole life, that I just wanted to watch them win the World Series. I did. It happened in this decade. And I I think I'm just going to be forever grateful for that. And I think there's other moments, too, where you see the pieces to the puzzle fit in that are memorable for me. And the first one was going to Sloan Park, or at the time it was called Cubs Park in 2014. I was there at the opening game. And I remember, because I used to go to spring training every year at Ho-Ho Camp Park. And I would, as a kid, you go up there, you go say hi to Ron Santo. You're, I'm with my grandpa, with my you know, family. And to have that transition from Ho-Ho Camp down to Cubs Park or Sloan Park, that was almost a metaphor 
of like what was happening to this franchise. In 2014, you had guys like Rizzo kind of come into his own and you see some of the pieces to the puzzle fit in. Speaking of spring training, this spring, follow the Cubs to Arizona for Cactus League spring training. Amazing weather and landscapes, exciting outdoor adventure, incredible food, Arizona is the perfect home for baseball fans. It's a one-of-a-kind spring training experience. There are 10 stadiums, 15 teams, and beautiful 75-degree temperature. All these stadiums are within 50 miles of one another, so you can go to multiple games in one day. Plus, there's so much to see and do nearby. Enjoy live music from local and national artists. Explore museums featuring everything from native heritage to modern art to musical instruments from all around the world. Plus, explore Arizona's beautiful outfield. You can go hiking, biking, go on Jeep tours, do hot air balloons, skydiving, jet skiing, whatever you want to do adventure-wise. Arizona has you covered. And the best thing about Arizona this time of year, it is the ultimate family family-friendly environment. You can bring your kids to spring training. You can go to all these family-friendly resorts and hotels to offer plenty of fun for kids of all ages, from water parks to horseback riding to games and any activities. Plan your spring training getaway at visitarizona.com slash spring training. That is visitarizona.com slash spring training. So 2014, that was kind of a, a cool year, a cool experience for me. You're walking around Sloan Park. You're seeing some of the different, you know, Cubs memorabilia that represent Wrigley Field. And then in 2015, I remember going to my first game at Wrigley and seeing the new video boards, right? Like, remember all those years of talking, what would happen if the Cubs got a video board at Wrigley Field? What would that do to the aura, to the environment at Wrigley? And now it's a topic of discussion for, like, my childhood growing up and to see it happen right? You have a new spring training complex. Then next year, you have two video boards up. And it was just so, it was refreshing. I can't put a word to it, but it was significant in the way the Cubs were evolving. And for that to line up immediately with a contender was a big deal. And even going back to right when the Cubs got Anthony Rizzo, I remember sitting there in spring training and seeing Rizzo take his first at-bat as a Cub in a Cub uniform. And turning to my dad, I'm like, hey, dad, this is Rizzo. He's you know a big guy, kind of struggled in San Diego, but he's a lot of potential. The front office loves this guy. And I remember exactly where I was seeing his first at bat in a Cubs uniform and being able to see some other guys come up, see, seeing even Javi Baez playing an intra-squad game, seeing at the time Jorge Soler, I talk about this all the time, but seeing all the pieces to the puzzle kind of fit. And that was what I was talking about. When you look at the 20 or the 2007, 2008 teams, and you know, if they don't win it those two years, what the hell is going to happen? And to see it in five years change so dramatically to the point that was really, for me, everything I kind of asked for. I wanted a consistent contender, a player development pipeline, a front office, a new facility, and even even going back earlier, they were opening up a new Dominican Republic facility. And all these things were finally starting to take place. So when you look back at this decade, yeah, you have the World Series. The World Series was the accumulation of everything before. And I'm happy. I'm I'm really genuinely happy that I got to experience what it was like going from the very seller of baseball 
and seeing and experiencing it firsthand how the team transformed to the point that now we're going into 2020 and we're talking about elongating this win window in a frustrating fashion and sometimes with explicit episodes. But the point is, it was dark back then. And to see an experience from spring training to 2015, having everything come together to the you know new additions to Wrigley Field, to the new additions around Wrigleyville, some are good, some are bad, but nevertheless, you were able to witness that evolution, that drastic evolution that many people couldn't even even experience because unfortunately they were too old during that time and we're lucky to have experienced what it was like for the team to completely change and end in a world series championship and i think just like yeah i'm like grateful for that yeah life is weird sometimes man like i that i i always think about when i i did arizona summer league video for the peoria padres you know part of the san diego padres franchise that was nowhere over there yeah that was one of my (laughs) my first jobs in like non-college baseball so like you know professional baseball and to do the training for it to learn the system to learn the video system to meet up with the people that I would be reporting to I went to Petco Park and I, I didn't really know much about the Potters I, I had obviously tried to learn a little bit because I was going to be working for them but in, in Peoria so I, I wasn't going to get quizzed on the the major league Padres or anything like that and we're watching batting practice one thing I, I remember from that in particular is uh, I think Matt Latos was there and he was yeah. hitting yep. absolute bombs I like I've never I don't know if I've ever seen anybody take BP like that I mean he was just hitting tanks so and he's a he was a pitcher too yeah, which is even random funny. note but what brings this story full circle and and gives me talking about the San Diego Padres any purpose whatsoever is that it didn't dawn on me until years later uh that I was at the debut and first no, major weren't. league baseball game uh for Anthony Vincent Rizzo so you saw that triple. I think that was his first career base hit. It was a triple to deep center. You were there for that. And I, I mean, I didn't think anything of it at the time. And I mean, I knew he was, you know, one of their top guys. I knew it was a big deal that he had come up. There was obviously a buzz in the stadium when he was announced and when he came up and things like that. And, but I, you know, like I, I was just like, all right, cool. Like, yeah, like, you know, I was kind of nervous. Like, I'm trying to learn about this job I'm doing. I'm trying to impress the people that I'm going to be working for. I wasn't really thinking about Anthony Rizzo. And here we are, many years later, and one of my favorite activities in the world is thinking about Anthony Rizzo. So it's it's just weird how— I was, And Kevin Rizzo, yes, too. Yes, and Kevin Rizzo, who we did see yeah. once again uh, on did. Sunday. Yeah, thank, thank you, God. Anthony, for that. He was wearing yeah. a very lovely Christmas sweater, Anthony and Kevin, uh, just for, for clarity. So— um, yeah, it's just weird. Something like that. Like, you know, you, you, you don't even realize like that this, this person, this player that you're watching is going to be extremely important to you. Uh, so when I was sitting at that ballpark, you know, in San Diego, I did not think anything of it. And then, you know, a mere several years later, I'm in the stands at Progressive Field watching him catch the last out when the Cubs win the World Series. Life has, life has a way (laughs) of, of coming Full circle in, in certain ways. Uh, and I can tell you, when I was watching Game 7 of the World Series, I was thinking about Anthony Rizzo, and I definitely understood the importance of him being on that field. So it's 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 it, life has a weird way of, of coming full circle. But yeah, Brendan, it's it's fascinating, weird, surreal. Uh, you know, it, there, there's a lot of words to describe, but I, I, I often go back and think about 
just how sort of jarring it is to not have that feeling anymore. Like I spent so much time as a kid and as a young adult and technically adult, however you define that, imagining them winning the World Series, imagining what Pat Hughes' call would sound like, like, imagining what Joe Buck's call would sound like if it was on national TV, just envisioning what this would be like and it's it's just so surreal to be in a world where like they did it and that is not what dominates my my thoughts what dominates every sense of of my being and I, and I think back to like yeah. the beginning of that 2016 run and how incredible that season was but how different it was from 2015 because 2015 I think even I allowed myself to say look like let these guys learn, let them have a little fun, like let them grow as a group. Like this doesn't necessarily have to be all our chips on the table, right? Even emotionally. But the minute 2016 started, I was at both of those games in Anaheim when that season started. And like the minute that started, it was all business. It was so hard for me to have fun in that particular season. It was a blast. Like, but just in a general sense, it was always like, great, there are 15 games in first place. I don't care. They have to win the World Series. And that was always so, it was always so daunting too, because you knew from experiences in 2003, but most importantly, 2008, when they were the best team right. in the National League, you knew the feeling of that disappointment. And you have to, you have to remember too, like other than 2015, we had no playoff series wins for 12 years, right? So you know at any moments, you can win over 100 games, but you get to the playoffs, anything can happen. And that was the most unsettling part for me was, okay, yeah, we have the best team by far in the National League, but crazy stuff happens in these five-game series, and I can't let myself believe and be super confident that this team, even though logically it makes sense, that they're going to win the World Series because you can't like like mentally or emotionally prepare yourself right. if they weren't like you know what I'm trying to say it's so difficult and I'm with you like for them to actually pull that off it's just a breath of fresh air it's like oh like okay I can breathe <laughs> right. again because you don't have to you don't have to worry about ever facing this type of playoff stress even though it will always be there but it will be just a tad different I think yeah I, I think you guys know both Brendan and I well enough to know that we're still basically just as, uh, you know, psychotic Psycho. about when they're in June and things like that. So uh, maybe this, Are you surprised about maybe that? this like, part that falls was on deaf that, ears, but like, like that was always in the back of my head though. I, I did think like, what would my fandom look like when they win the world series? I, I did think about that, not in a way of like, Oh, am I going to be interested? But I was just always curious if I would take it like, as emotionally serious and the, the answer the answer to that right. is like absolutely but i always did wonder about that yeah but it, but it just is fascinating to think about how how different life is as a cubs fan um i i, I mean like i i i remember like the days where i would be on the school bus with an am radio listening to pat and ron santo and oh, yeah. every time, every time I took those headphones off, I would think about what it would sound like if Pat Hughes called them winning the World Series. And so to finally hear it and to be in a world where like they, they've they've done it, I can go on YouTube and I can just watch them win the World Series. Like I, it is 
really something, and and it's uh, not something that I I think I'll ever get over. And I, I know it's easy to get into a situation where you're always looking at the past and things like that, but. Uh, like we've we've lived it, folks. We've lived the reality where they don't win for a very long time, and you're saddled with hundreds, literally hundreds of years of of the notion that they just might not win. And and we all, I think, have family members or know people that have family members that were lifelong Cubs fans that didn't see it. Uh, you know, they they didn't make it. They did not get to see that. We we all saw the the wall outside of Wrigley Field, the the bricks covered in in chalk writing of so many people. Such a beautiful scene of so many people who weren't able to be a part of the moment, but the fans found a way to make them a part of the moment. Every fan involved, that was always one of their core reactions or core emotions, right. and it was. It was like a cultural phenomenon. I, I like it crossed generations. It was so, and that's what makes I think following this team so unique is that you have multi cross generations like coming together, whereas new teams like the Diamondbacks or you know like the Rockies, for example, they're they're never going to have that. It's just that's the reality of of the situation, and seeing the walls, the chalk, you know everything involved. That is one of the best photos, in in my opinion, in, in Cubs history, because the organic nature of that. No one told anyone to do that. And you had thousands, Corey, thousands of names or different types of drawings on that wall. That was amazing to see. Yeah, I, I think we could reminisce about that night, that week, that that season uh, for ages. And, I, and I'm sure we will. If you guys have been listening to this podcast for any number of time, you may have noticed, and you know, we try to do it pretty subtly, Brendan, so maybe nobody did pick up on subtle, this. But yeah. we do mention that they, uh, the Chicago Cubs won the World Series in 2016. Yeah, won the World Series. Quite a yeah, bit. Yeah. So uh, a little inside baseball there. Uh, we, we do do that on purpose, in case you haven't noticed. Um, I jest. Uh, obviously, you've noticed it's really not that subtle. But... Hmm. So as as we wrap up here, I, I think this will be a, a shorter episode just because it is you guys are going to get this on New Year's Eve. We hope whatever you guys are doing to ring in the new year uh, on the 31st and however you're spending New Year's Day is a, a good one. I hope you have a nice time doing that, be it with family, friends, by yourself, with this podcast, however you're doing it. I hope you're, you're, you're in a good place, and, and uh, I, wish, I do wish you all a, a very— happy, healthy, successful 2020 and, and, and the decade to come. But Brendan, like lasting thoughts on, on this particular decade, any, any players, any, you know, and like, look, obviously them winning the world series, but, but just, you know, particular moments or or any just kind of final sentiments on, on this period of Cubs baseball, because it does tie into where we are now. It it is going to be a transition for, for better or, or worse where we're heading with this team. Now they, they miss the playoffs in 2019. That is the first time they have missed the playoffs since the rebuild kicked into full gear and culminated. They won the World Series, tried for a couple years, and and we'll we'll see where it takes us. But as we've been discussing and kind of uh, trying to put words to the emotion of it, it's a different era of Cubs baseball. And I think this decade is obviously going to be the first decade that starts with 
the Cubs having won the World Series. There is a World Series since 1908. Again, I, I don't mean to be slighting the boys from 1908, right? We love you. We'll never forget and you. 1907, back too. Come on, back to back Yeah, chance. I mean, come on. Come on. So I, I'm not trying to slight them. but uh, So this will be the first decade in over 100 years that starts with the Cubs. There, there's a 2016 World Series champions banner that flies in center field. Mm. It, 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 it flags yeah. fly forever, right? So... How do how do you close the chapter on this decade and and look forward to the next one? I was fortunate to be at opening day for Wrigley in 2017 when they were raising the banners. And for me, like it's it's hard to travel because I'm on the West Coast to Chicago, but I made it a priority to be there. I was there with my dad and seeing the banner go up, seeing Rizzo, you know, carry the trophy out from the Ivy the the music right like i will always have that memory and no one else Corey, other than those whatever it was forty one thousand people can say yeah i was there when they raised the banner in modern day wrigley field and that that's that's my lasting image and besides that though being able to you know make cubs content or do this podcast or you know blog on cubsinsider.com that has made the experience, I think, that much better because you meet new people along the way who are also as you know psycho as you. And being able to share in that moment to take in everyone's content and you learn more about baseball, you learn more about the Cubs. And that, I think, is one of the lasting memories of the decade. It's like I learned a lot about the sport. I met a lot of cool people. I met a lot of cool people inside the Cubs organization or familiar with just Major League Baseball in general. And I think when I started, you know, 2010, like I wanted to like go into sports journalism. Like I wanted to write for the Cubs. Did not end up doing that. Did something different. But I think the way that I experienced baseball and as a fan is so much better just because I understand why people write what they write or why people believe what they believe or why they're excited about certain situations. And the experience as being a Cub fan because of this, at times, you know, a little bit hostile Cubs Twitter community, but the, the, the majority of the reactions or interactions are fun and I think beneficial as a fan and a, as a Cubs fan. So I, I, I'm just, you know, I'm thankful that this type of era that I was able to soak it in with so many different people's perspectives as well. And not just as a, as a fan looking in, right? Like I was, I felt like I was part of something and, and having everyone make their own content. It was just so unique. I think that is going to be one of my lasting, you know, memories, memories from these last 10 years. When you said you met a lot of cool people, did you mean me? Yeah, you're, you know, you're maybe somewhere near the top of the list, but we'll, we'll see how it, you know, plays out when I really think about it. Okay. You were just very vague. So I was just checking, but (laughs) for me, I, I agree with all of that. And the one thing that I would add is that I, made the decision after working in baseball for several years to stop doing that. I had had worked all all over the world, really, uh, done internships, made not a lot of money, very small amounts of money, and got kind of tired of just the process. And I made the decision after working in the Los Angeles Dodgers front office in 2014 to just take a break and just see what happens, try to figure out a new career, try to figure out a new lane in my life. And I said to myself, 
I got into working in baseball for one thing, and that was because I love the Chicago Cubs. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to Chicago. I have a cousin that lives near Wrigley Field. She's got a vacant room. I'm just going to go watch the Cubs. It seems like this 2015 season is shaping up to be an interesting one. The The plan has come together. I've, I've bought into the plan since day one, and, and here we are. It feels like it's coming to fruition. Let's just see what happens. And what followed, and I and and I, I I was fortunate enough to do the same the following season. Though by that time I had gotten a job and wasn't just loafing around all the time like 2015. 2015 was a great year, folks. Um, <laughs> but I was fortunate enough to spend a lot of time at Wrigley Field, and I went to a lot of games in the 2015 2016 period. I've talked about the playoff games that I, I was lucky enough to attend, the World Series games I was lucky enough to attend, and I th- there there's there is a part of me that if I could speak to my younger self and tell him the Cubs went on this run that started in 2015, they had a great season but fell up short, and the next year they went on and they they won the World Series, and you were there for a lot of it. You didn't have a job that took you across the country. You didn't have uh, a wife and kids or or something. Not that that would be a bad thing, but (laughs) this thing that you always cared about since I I was six years old, that you always cared about, that you always promised yourself you would watch in person and, and that you would be a part of it and that it wouldn't be something that you just didn't have time for or anything like that. I was so lucky to do that, and I was so lucky that I was able to do it in the period that they pulled it off, that they won the World Series, and I will never, ever forget that. It was such an amazing experience. I I was so devoted, and I mean, I still am, but in those two years particularly, so devoted to Chicago Cubs baseball, and it was the best time to do it, and it was the best time ever. It was the best two years of my entire life. I have never had more fun uh, than in those in that period. And I'm just thankful for that. I am so thankful for the fortune to have been able to do that and the timing that I was able to do it in that particular two-year span when they ended up winning the World Series. It is a period in my life that I will cherish forever. And I sometimes can't believe that it it all worked out that way. It would have been fun if it was just for 2015 and I had, had watched that fun season. They lose in the NLCS. That was great. What a time that was. What a ride. What a season in, in Cubs baseball, especially compared to the rest of my life. But to be able to do it in 2016, to be able to watch them win the World Series in person, uh, I, 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 it was a mandate from, from my earliest years that if they win the World Series, I don't care where it is. I don't care if they're playing in London. I don't care if it costs me my life's fortune. <laughs> I will watch it in person. And so my lasting memory of the decade is that I watched the Cubs win the World Series in person. But with that, uh, I, I think we'll leave it there. I don't, I don't know what else there is to say. I, I hope that this decade has been good for you guys personally. I hope that you, in, in whatever way, be it similar to mine, completely different. I know we have some listeners all across the world. And however you experience this decade and however you experience the Cubs winning the World Series in this kind of golden era of Cubs baseball, I hope it was a good one. And I hope we get to go through that now that we, you know, we kind of have this podcast in full gear. I hope we get to do that together uh, again sometime. 
And I think with that, we'll say we, we started this podcast in 2016. We started this podcast in this decade, and we're very thankful to have you guys listening. Like Brendan was saying, the ability yep. to discuss it, the ability to talk and, and be listened to by, by like-minded people and have this community is, is really special and has been a very special addition to both of our lifelong fandoms. And, and I don't think we would, we would trade that. And, and we appreciate you guys whenever you started listening to us, however often you started listening to us. I think you guys know that we're diehard Cubs fans. We're, we're diehard Cubs fans firsts, uh, former baseball intern, uh, stats analyst, second, <laughs> right? Whatever you want to call us. Yeah. Like, we are diehard sure. Cubs fans first. And it is uh, a, a true pleasure to have you guys listening to this podcast and to be able to have done this for the last few years and into this next decade. So, uh, I, th- I think with that, I will say, Brendan. It is an absolute pleasure to have watched the Cubs win the World Series in this decade. And you know why? Because some teams didn't get to see their team win the World Series this decade. Nope. Some teams didn't get nope. to see it last decade. And if you can believe nope. this, some haven't seen it this century. And Can you believe I, that? Can you I, imagine that? I can't that? relate. We can't relate I can't anymore. Relate. I can't relate. Can't relate. So this is a can't related podcast. With that, we will talk to you guys in the new year. We will talk to you guys next week, or we will jump on if there is breaking Chicago Cubs news. It's been a hell of a decade. The Chicago Cubs won the World Series in 2016. That is the lasting memory of the decade. That is the best moment of the decade, not just for the Cubs, but the entire world. Book it. Chicago Cubs won the World Series in 2016. <laughs> Happy New Year, everybody. Thank you again from the bottom of our hearts for listening and participating with this podcast. And no matter what, we will end this podcast by saying, Go Cubs. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. Our homes today are like little cities full of different internetting boroughs, like the entertainment district in the living room or the virtual fitness center in the garage. And Xfinity Internet keeps it all running smoothly with reliable speed to power all your devices at once. You get coverage around town from the financial district home office to the spa. Xfinity Internet keeps your little city humming with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Find great offers and value today from Xfinity. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY to learn more. Restrictions apply. Geico knows there are many reasons why you ride. From the thrill of the revving engine and pure adrenaline of flying down the highway to the confidence of knowing that Geico always has your back with 24-7 access to claim service. But Ari Snyder has one reason in particular. I had extremely large upper arms. They won't even fit into most shirts. Thankfully, biking really embraces vest culture, so I feel accepted. Geico Motorcycle. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, 
a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.